and welcome to Frontline, giving you the latest updates on all the tech coming out and in of China. I'm Sam Duckett in Beijing. Coming up on today's show, we've got an exciting story. The Apple iPhone 6s and 6s Plus have been announced, and we're going to be talking about how they're going to impact the Chinese market. Our reporter Wen Jie will be telling us about robots that can detect small fires with a satellite system. And Mark Griffiths will be joining me in the studio for the Wild Web discussion. And today we'll be talking about Android Pay by Google. Now, kicking off today's show. The announcement of the iPhone 6s and 6s Plus was a massive event in China, broadcast online. Apple is looking to gain a stronger footing in the Chinese market with a wide range of new intuitive features on its latest iPhone 6s and 6s Plus. Technology commentator for iPhone.com Huang Hao discussed which features he believed would impact the Chinese smartphone market. If I'm being honest, the Chinese market is very special. They really like new features. For example, the 3D Touch feature will be popular with Chinese customers. The different color models of the phone will also be warmly welcomed in China. It actually has not got a lot more feature than its predecessors, but the new colors alone will make it really popular with female customers in China. The 3D Touch technology allows users to perform different actions depending on how hard they press their phone. One of the biggest advantages of this new technology is that, in combination with the new powerful A9 CPU chip, it opens up a new world in terms of mobile gaming. Apple will now be able to offer a more detailed gaming experience with pressure-related features to their customers. Last year, China's mobile gaming market was estimated to be worth 2.9 billion U.S. dollars. The biggest question posed at the event was if Apple's latest smartphone devices have enough new features to help bolster their stance in the Chinese market. Currently, Xiaomi is dominating the Chinese smartphone market with 19% of the domestic smartphone market share, followed by Huawei with 16% and Apple with 12%. Huanghao also discussed how he thought the iPhone 6s and 6s Plus would do in the Chinese market. Apple is growing very quickly in the Chinese market, and it already has a firm grip over the upper market, such as those found in Tier One and Tier Two cities. I think we will see a lot of fashionable women in China using the new rose-colored iPhone. This will definitely help Apple gain a stronger female demographic. The CEO of Chinese app company ZDWorks, Wang Sili, did a live online commentary for Apple's latest product. She also commented on how she believes this will affect the Chinese market. I am very confident in the sales of the Apple iPhone 6s. I think they will be better than that of the iPhone 6. If we look at the current trend in the market and the preferences of Chinese consumers, the iPhone 6 has all the specs needed to attract Chinese customers. After the phone is released on the Chinese market, I think we'll see the 3D Touch feature used for various different China mobile online. Events. Apple has a distinguished brand in China. They do not model themselves as a phone for everyone, but they genuinely believe they are the best of the bunch. When looking at Chinese competitors, Xiaomi, Huawei, and Lenovo, their advertising model boasts how they have built a phone that everyone across China can use. An upper-market iPhone will not attract everyone, but for Chinese consumers who want a redefined, high-definition, and powerful experience, the Apple iPhone 6s and 6s Plus. 
Plus will not disappoint. China was included in the initial release for the newest iPhones. The Apple iPhone 6s and 6s Plus hits the Chinese market on the 25th of September 2015. Your insight into China's leading edge in technology. All the latest developments in tech for your world, brought to you by the show that integrates into everything. And welcome back. You're listening to Frontline. Mark Pollock, a young American who was paralyzed from the waist down since 2010, has been afforded the ability to walk thanks to Exobionics Exoskeleton. The process that allows Pollock to gain some feeling in his legs is known as transcutaneous spinal cord stimulation. A team of UCLA scientists attached electrodes to his skin and stimulated his spine with jolts of electricity. He felt a tingle in his legs and is now able to independently flex his knees. Using this method, together with an exoskeleton, he is now able to walk. The medical breakthrough by UCL will not just affect Mark Pollock. It will give hope to everyone who has been paralyzed, and a chance for many to rehabilitate their lives. UC Berkeley have created the first ever 3D map of the Earth's interior, allowing them to study the roots of volcanoes. The team created the map by studying the path of seismic waves. The model shows mantle plumbs, which is basically where the rock flows, starting at the bottom of the core to the mantle boundary and climbing to the top, where they connect with the Earth's crust. They have already discovered that these plums do not take a direct path. It has also made it clear that most of the world's volcanoes come from large blobs of hot rock at the core boundary. The research done will have a huge impact on geologists and how we understand the world we live in. It may also potentially allow scientists to predict volcano ruptures and type, which would be safer for people living in areas with volcanoes. Wildfires, like those devastating in the United States, cause enormous economic and human damage every year. Now, a Hong Kong company has designed a robot with innovative technology that can detect much smaller fires than satellite systems and alert authorities before the fire grows into a much bigger problem. Now, let's go to Wenjie for the details. The United States is having one of its worst seasons of forest wildfires on record. With nearly 11,600 square meters of scorched earth so far, there are more than 32,000 firefighters already in the field tackling the blazes, and more are expected to join the fight. But what if the destructive forest fires could be nipped in the bud before they become such a problem? A robot in Hong Kong, packed with all of the latest visual technology, is promising just that. According to its makers, Inside Robotics. This is the most advanced wildfire detection system in existence. The invention earned the company last year Entrepreneur of the Year at the IBM SmartCamp Global Finals in Las Vegas. Using thermal imaging sensors and advanced artificial intelligence vision technology, the fire-detecting robot can spot fires in areas as small as two meters by one meter and within a five-kilometer radius. Covering up to nearly 80 square kilometers of forest and living area, 
The company claims it is the first robot in the world that has the capability to detect wildfire in such a wide expanse. Rex Sham is the founder and chief analyst of Inside Robotics. Uh, the robot actually has two cameras.、Uh, one is the thermal imaging camera, and one is the、uh, visible light camera. And the thermal imaging camera captures fifty、uh, frames、uh, of images per second. And then we use a proprietary and patented algorithm in analyzing the heat signature in the image, and verifies that whether the hot object in the image is a real wildfire. Or it is a just a hot object that appears in in the forest. When installed on rooftops, the robot provides a 360-degree view 24 hours a day. It also communicates with Inside Globe, the company's proprietary geospatial intelligence platform, and a 3D map-based interface to generate real-time images for frontline command centers. Enabling authorities to pinpoint the exact location when drafting firefighting plans. After detecting the fire, we will locate, geolocate the fire、uh, by using a、um, uh, GIS platform, geoinformation、uh, system, and then we will pinpoint the location of the fire onto the map,、uh, so that the operators or the firemen can see where the fire is. Compared to traditional satellite technology, the robot takes less than 15 minutes to detect the first outbreak in the forest, while satellites usually require six hours to detect the fire. This gives a lot more time for fire crews to put out blaze before it grows. So far, 80 robots are being used in the Chinese mainland to protect forests and ecosystems, recording a 100% detention rate in multiple field trials and deployments. Outside Asia, there have been trial runs in Canada and Australia. Wildfires are the single largest carbon emission source in the world. Sham says because the robot can detect small-sized fires, it could have helped to prevent the wildfire from spreading in an early stage. So、uh, our robot detects the fire size much smaller than、uh, the ones that satellites can、uh, detect. A satellite can just detect.、Uh, Wildfire at the size of around one hectare in size. That means 100 meters times 100 meters. So, if this robot is being used、uh, for detecting wildfire,、uh, the fire in U.S. can be effectively controlled or even being extinguished、uh, at a very early stage, and will not lead to a so much、uh, damage to the nearby society and in the、uh, forest itself. Sham says his team is working on integrating the UAV or drone system with the wildfire detection robot, so that the drones can automatically take off to the scene whenever the robot detects a fire, and broadcast the real-time live feed of the fire situation to the nearby firefighters. Frontline. Frontline. Your insight into China's leading edge in technology. All the latest developments in tech for your world, brought to you by the show that integrates into everything. New York City is set to launch a Drive Smart test program that will have 400 drivers install an ODB2 tracking device in their cars in exchange for a range of perks. 
Those admitted into this project will get tips on fuel efficiency, route planning, and safety based on driving habits. They will also be given a 30% discount on all-state insurance if they are sufficiently cautious. The pilot program will run until the end of August 2016 and may lead to a larger effort should it be successful. This project may only meet a limited amount of success in tackling the heavy traffic in New York City. But it will offer many lucky drivers a lot of attractive features in exchange for their driving privacy. If successful, the project may expand and help more drivers in the years to come. Scottish distiller Ardberg previously launched an experiment to launch whisky into space to see whether or not the drink ages differently in microgravity. Despite the alcohol still being in space, the company has been able to retrieve some results. They found out that going into orbit altered the ratios of acids and other chemicals, and this had an effect on the taste. The original whisky was described by leading professionals as having notes of woody flavors and sweet smoke. The space whisky, on the other hand, has been described as smoked fruits and carries an aftertaste that reminds the company of antiseptic lozenges or rubbery smoke. Now, while the experiment might seem like a bust for those who don't like to be reminded of burning tires whenever they enjoy their whisky, it has a lot of potential. It will allow alcohol companies to further experiment with manipulating flavors of drinks, and may lead to a series of new flavors in the future. Smartphones have become the UK's favourite way to get online. That's according to research by communications industry watchdog Ofcom. Two thirds of British people now own these multi-purpose handsets, using them to browse the internet, access social media, and also to take photographs, often of themselves. Now here's Jiao Jianfu with the details. In its 2015 communications market report, the UK's communications industry watchdog Ofcom says a third of all online access in the UK is via smartphones, up from 23% in 2014. The rise in mobile web surfing has been partly driven by the expansion of high-speed 4G data networks and the growing popularity of streaming video. Jane Rumber is head of media research at Ofcom. One of the most striking findings in our report this year is that smartphones are now the UK's most important device for getting online, overtaking laptops for the first time. On average, adult mobile users spent nearly two hours online each day using a smartphone in March 2015, compared to just over an hour on laptops and PCs. The Ofcom research also found. That the popularity of selfies has risen sharply, with 1.2 billion taken in 2014. I'm one of those people that, before I had one, was really anti because I think it takes over people's lives and whatever.、Um, but I have slightly become one of those people, but I try and refrain. I'm not massively in <laughs> selfies. I sometimes do it after I have a haircut just to see what it looks like. I tend to take pictures of things rather than put myself in everything. That's just an old person's way of using a a, a, a smartphone. Despite the sharp increase in the use of electronic devices, particularly smartphones, traditional forms of communication are continuing to endure. Adults in UK are still posting six letters, cards, or puzzles in an average month, only a slight dip from 2013 levels of 6.7 items per month. 
That was Jardian Full reporting. I'm not surprised. He makes a good point. People in the United Kingdom, from my experience, love using their smartphones. It's convenient. It's quick. It's easy, and it's just the best way to get on the internet on the go. Okay, we're going to take a short intermission, but coming up next after the break, we'll have today's edition of the Wild Web Discussion. The Wild Web: Discovering new territories in technology. Quite an interesting story this week. Just after Apple has announced its new products, the iPhone 6s, 6s Plus, and the new iPad Pro. Google's made a little announcement of its own. They're talking about their new payment system called Android Pay. It's set to hit the more than one million locations in the United States. Now, the payment, the mobile payment market is already predicted to be worth one trillion U.S. dollars worldwide by the year 2017. And Android are looking to jump into the fray and combat Apple and Samsung, who have already put their foot in the door. Yeah, some of these、uh, transaction methods are, are very useful, especially with more and more people buying things online as well. You need an online method of payment. PayPal has been going for years now, and、uh, that is still something that doesn't seem to have penetrated into China. But、uh, now, of course, we're familiar with AliPay, and we're also familiar with、um, well the transfer of money at least through WeChat, which is actually something that I know about because I do that sometimes. Um, if someone owes me a bit of money, and they can send to me on WeChat, and then I can download it into my bank account, and they don't seem to charge any commission or anything for doing that, which surprises me. Whereas I was looking at AliPay the other day,、uh, thinking of signing up with them, and it seemed to me that they were charging three percent, which is a, quite a lot of money. I mean, you imagine that you sent ten thousand yuan or. Someone sent it to you, or there was a transaction. You bought something for that.、Um, then they're going to charge you something like three hundred yuan for making the transaction, which seems to me to be rather on the expensive side. I've got to admit, I agree with everything you're saying, and I kind of exemplify your point here, Mark, because I'm one of the very few tech correspondents that I know that still doesn't use mobile payments,、mm. and it all seems a bit daunting to me because it's the idea of that someone. Will be storing a mobile phone company will be storing your credit card information, not just a bank card, but a credit card, on on their database. And to me, it just it's one of those things I've always been very cautious about, and I've been very hesitant as to whether I want to sign up for it or not. If I sign up, it definitely won't be for AliPay. After what you've just told me, I don't know if Google will be able to convince people like me that their service really is worth having. Well, I'm kind of a little bit like you in the sense that I don't like. Uh, having doing anything financial on a smartphone because I just don't think they're very secure compared to a laptop computer, for example, with all the anti-spyware,、um, anti-adware,、uh, anti-virus software. It doesn't seem to me as though it's possible to install anything like that on your mobile phone. Yeah, and the other thing about it is as well is I, I was reading where it's going to be released, and they're going to start off in the United States. From the twenty eighth of September, and that's going to be followed by a bunch of countries, which include the United Kingdom, Spain, and China. And I think about a market like China, where you haven't just got to worry about Samsung and、uh, Apple. You've got AliPay, you've got Tencent's WeChat wallet. It's already a really heavily、um, filled market. And I want—I don't know how much footing Android are going to have over here when they've got so much competition from the domestic. Mobile payment providers. It's true, and to use the example going back that we mentioned earlier,、uh, PayPal. 
I mean, you never hear that that name in China. I, I just don't think they have a presence in China. It's not some, uh, something that I've come uh, across anyway. Um, although I think they have a good system because you were saying you've got to think about the security and who has your bank account details. I mean, at least with PayPal, it seems to be a reputable company that's been very well established and you can and it does allow you to do business with um somebody else a company or something and all they get is your email address yeah i said that but i i i will decline to a certain degree i want to kind of retract that statement a little bit because now i think about it i bought my first ever iphone i was quite late to the party i think i bought my first iphone in uh, 2010 and when i got my first iphone 4 I had to give Apple my bank details anyway to purchase items off their app store. So technically these companies have had our bank details for quite a while. It's just now they're giving us the option to use our money to purchase other stuff rather than just products f- from their platform. Yes, I know what you mean. I when I was given my iPhone 4, which I'm still using, um I uh, I was very reluctant to to give my credit card details to sign up you know with apple i did everything i could you know to try to avoid doing it you can use a voucher i think to do it instead of your credit card but i do share the concern of having uh, those sorts of details uh, passing through a mobile phone when there are issues over the security or actually it's not something you ever hear about maybe there aren't issues but in my mind there are but maybe there aren't really issues to do with um the sort of security that you get on a mobile phone compared with, like I said, a laptop computer where you can take responsibility for your own online safety by using virtual keyboards and things like that so that in case somebody puts some of that, um, what do you call it, the keyboard tracking um, spyware in there, you know, uh, on the mobile phone, it doesn't seem that you can. I mean, I went straight to the app store when I got the phone working and tried to buy some sort of antivirus and protective software as an app and it doesn't seem that anything like that exists well it's funny i remember when internet banking first became popular you had that really great paypal at the time was king of the hill because there was no way to break someone's online bank if they had a paypal account it was for its time in the early 2000s it was as secure as secure could be but now we've we've evolved we've moved on We've got a bunch of new platforms. It seems like we are going to need more protective software to keep our money safe in the future. Yes, because it seems we've moved to a situation where it's less safe than before. And we see this as well in the move away from chip and pin credit cards to um, where you just swipe it at a terminal with no signature and no pin. To me, that seems like grossly insecure. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? The What do they call that? I've forgotten the name for it. Um, like you just swipe the, the credit card instead of putting in a, a pin number. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, uh, it seems to be uh, that we're going the wrong way when it comes to uh, security connected with our money. It's, yeah, I'd say it's a trade-off between security and convenience. And I do think we will find a middle ground here and so a way that we can be safe and make convenient payments yep. every day. And that's where we leave it for this edition of The Wild Web. OK, thank you, Mark. And that's sadly all the time we've got for this edition of The Wild Web. And that actually brings us to the end of another edition of Frontline. We hope you found today's show entertaining and educational. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week.